Hello, Internet. Hello, Twitch. Hello, everybody out there in the galaxy. My name is Mr. Benja, and we are here with the Pod Squadron. I'm saying it like I'm not a part of the Pod Squadron. We are the Pod Squadron, and we're here to bring you some Star Wars entertainment, responses, recaps. Uh, we're talking about books, merchandise, everything in the Star Wars universe, and we want to have a good, fun time with it and with you. So, First of all, let's get some quick introductions out of the way. Um, first of all, we have Andy Lowe, the Chinese pirate. Hi there, my name's Andy Lowe. I'm a director, fight choreographer, performer, puppeteer, and the Chinese pirate. Yes, and also we have the hot nerd girl, Tracy Deering. How are you doing? That's right. Hi, everybody. I'm Tracy Deering, the hot nerd girl. And as always, I'm happy to be here to discuss The Mandalorian and Baby Yoda. Awesome. And my name is Mr. Benja. Uh, you can, I'm from the 8-Bit Cubist. You may know me from the art world and doing weird 8-Bit things like this behind me. But I am not the exciting attraction today. We have a new guest showing up with us. That is our friend Lexi over here, Lexi Lee. Quick little introduction of yourself. Uh, hey, everybody. My name is Lexi. Uh, I work in theater and festivals, or at least I used to pre-COVID. Uh, now I'm still kind of trying to figure out what what all that means for me. Um, <laughs> I've been kind of a, a closet geek for most of my life. This is my first foray into like professional geekdom. Yay. Thank you guys for having me. <laughs> awesome. I, I didn't, I didn't know this was. Oh, oh did we, we lose lost Ninja. Closet geekdom with us. Yeah, it, it is. Every, everything else has just been kind of, uh, uh, I'll show up somewhere and people will be like, I did not peg you for the type of 30 year old to have a Star Wars backpack. And I'm like, hey, hey. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so uh, Lexi, where did your Star Wars relationship begin? Like when, when, when did you first get into it? Oh, when I was a little tomboy and people would call me a princess because I had pretty long hair and I would get really mad at them because princesses were not tough enough for me. And then finally someone said, oh, so then you're Princess Leia. And people started comparing me to Princess Leia, and I found out that she had blasters and kept a cool head. And then the more I dived into Star Wars over the years, the more I just kept finding really badass ladies. Um, mm -hmm. And I just picked up steam from there. Tracy, you seem very amused at that. <laughs> About uh, that, what, being compared to, to, to Princess Leia because she's a badass? Oh, I don't know. You're just over there smiling and wanting to <laughs> giggle. And so. I'm well, first of all, I'm enjoying uh, meeting Lexi and I'm so happy to have you here and uh, more female energy on the show. I love it. But also I'm just thinking I'm thinking about all how princesses have really gone from being the damsels in distress to being badasses pretty much like all the new princesses have been badasses but we really we did we just had princess leia for a long time and it wasn't until really the prequels that we had other badass women that joined the star wars universe yeah absolutely and just really fun discovering all of them through the different animated series as well you know so do you so have, have a oh go ahead yeah, so I got a question, Leslie. Um, you said that uh, you know you really hadn't made any big forays into the um, you know geek Star Wars world or whatever. But where has it been all this time since you? I mean, did you always just kind of say, "Well, I like these princesses. I like Star Wars. It's all cool," but I'll just keep it to myself? How did that happen? Uh, I, less about that, and 
and more than just the events that I've ended up working on have been less geek centric, I think. Mm. Uh, mostly because I, I'm an anxious soul who doesn't like being caught inside and a lot of cons like put you inside. <laughs> and so when, when people ask if I want to be stuck indoors with a, a, a huge crowd of people or stuck outdoors, I'm like, outdoors, thanks. And those are usually music festivals. So uh, as I mentioned to you guys when we chatted earlier in the week, uh, I've met all kinds of friends at festivals because of the different Star Wars gear, either carrying my backpack or running across people who are also hippies out there having fun and will have like a Rebel Insignia pin or something. And I'm like, hey, and we usually have a good conversation. So uh, closet's not the right word. No, just like, uh, like, like nerd bounding. Yeah. <laughs> Intersectional geek. <laughs> that's, that, I'm gonna, that's a good, that's a good. Bounding. So uh, would you say you have a favorite Star Wars character or storyline or episode or movie? Uh, I, my my toss up favorites it goes neck and neck between Ahsoka and Asajj Ventress. Mm. And uh, really, really hoping, really hoping we get to see more uh, of Ahsoka or they'll, or they'll do something with her that's not totally animated. Um, for that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, really, really anything with with the tough Star Wars lady, I, I, I'm kind of a sucker for, or, or Star Wars creatures. I think I mentioned really liking Owen McGregor's Varactyl. One <laughs> 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 the, the prequel trilogies, so, uh, yeah. See, and that's the that's that's the thing I gotta you know throw a little respect here in that you know you didn't think of yourself as a geek you didn't think yourself as part of geek culture but you just called a Veractel <laughs> like that's like that's like that's some like high end knowledge there like I don't even remember the word Veractel so <laughs> she was a geek she was just on the down low <laughs> right 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 it's 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 less like I have a geek flag. I get more like I have like a tattoo, like a geek tattoo that like people see when I take off my jacket <laughs> and they're like, what's that on your shoulder? I'm like, oh, yeah, this thing. Yeah. <laughs> and then your kindred spirits all of a sudden, right? Absolutely. Yeah. It's finding, it's finding communities. And <laughs> so we're all getting together here um, around uh, a very interesting time in Star Wars. And uh, we've talked about this before, Lexi, but this is the. I want to actually say the Mandalorian and everything that's going on right now is a new jumping off point for Star Wars. And it's kind of why we got this group together, why we started the podcast and why we, you know, started streaming. So, you know, I think Star Wars is in a good place right now. And just really in general, how are you guys feeling about where Star Wars is and what's coming up? Who wants to go first? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll just make a quick mention that I'm keeping a, an eye on the chat on on Twitch. So if anybody wants to interact, by all means, throw a message in there. And I oh, guess since I'm talking now, I will continue. Um, I I think um, with the uh, oh hi Jason, um, I think that that was Jason Bieber. Um, <laughs> I think that <laughs> um, I think that with these live action series on Disney Plus, I mean I. 
Andy, you know that when Disney Plus first came out, I was rather critical of it because it was yet another streaming service. And I also bitched when CBS All Access came out because mm -hmm. it was yet another streaming service. But I think that Disney is being really smart about having these live action series and incorporating all these characters from all these different aspects of Star Wars. And Lexi, you're going to get your wish with Ahsoka Tano, it looks like, and probably not next episode maybe the episode after but i think you know bringing in all these characters all these fan favorites because for a long time you know you had people who didn't like the prequels but they were okay with the animated series and so you know like, like drawing it all together i think they're making it really cohesive and making it uh, a high quality that anybody can love and spin-offs yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll yes end that. Um, that uh, you know, the, the, the really exciting thing as a Star Wars fan um, is to start to actually see what happens when you have the, 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 uh, what are they called? The, the, the Star Wars, um, not the think tank. What are they called? The story group. The story group. Thank you. The story group. Pablo Hidalgo and Dave Filoni all kind of talking to each other because suddenly we're starting to see characters from animation show up in films. We're seeing characters from uh, uh, novels showing up in uh, TV series where we're, we're actually starting to really have this kind of un unified uh, storytelling and world building that expands beyond any single medium. And uh, that just makes for greater world building and more in-depth story uh, and mythology, which is my, you know, big thing, right? Is just that it's, it is truly becoming a mythology, not just a story, not just a, 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 a blockbuster. It's like they're taking a page from their Marvel universe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah and uh, it's, it's pretty amazing that they're doing all this. I I can't think of any other franchise um, brand storyline that's lasted and been, you know, been built up this large for this long. Um, you know, I heard somebody online saying, uh, you know, that worked at Disney saying um, that they expect to be that they expect to be born into the Star Wars universe and they'll die before it ends. So that was just an incredible thought to me that we have this franchise and brand going on this long. So. That's uh, it's that's kind of the state of things right now. I don't know. Did you have anybody else have anything to say on that? I think uh, Mandalorian is kind of the best of all worlds in terms of Star Wars content that because of what everybody kind of mentioned, uh, it pulls <laughs> from all of the it pulls from all of the types of media. Pull doesn't doesn't exclusively pull from the films. Uh, it's a little bit of something for everybody. And when you have a, a world that is not just a world, but it's literally a, an entire galaxy, it only serves to bring it to life better when you include something for everybody. It's not just about, you know, uh, catering to, to different audiences. It's not just about appealing to certain groups. It's it really does does the world a disservice does the universe a disservice if they don't dive into it as they have been uh and, and i i think it's really lovely to kind of be in a place in time to see that evolve totally. so we've got caponis here on twitch saying it's not just blanket fan service either these things really matter 
I think yeah. also like they're I know that when Disney purchased Star Wars, they kind of threw out legends as being any kind of canon, right? Mm-hmm. But it seems like they are pulling in little bits of legends as well as from what I'm noticing. Um, so I like that they're that they're they're not completely ignoring. Yeah, it's it's legends. absolutely a source for them, right? I mean that they can they can filter out things that were a little crazier, <laughs> and you know focus in on on things that were very good ideas. Um, and also, I just want to uh, call out, um, you know, uh, Tracy. You know, you and I also, you can love all all star franchises because uh, calling out that yes, also Star Trek does have an incredible mythology, but we won't get into that uh here <laughs> i will give also a little shout out if you haven't followed already already uh look for uh trek table which is uh one of our sister shows that's going to be launching soon uh that's going to be focused uh, completely on star trek and uh star trek discovery so that's a little plug for them and uh, a little bit of love i'm excited for right. that one so speaking of uh speaking of plugging things you made it this far uh just a quick reminder to make sure you subscribe and follow uh we're on youtube and we'll be letting you know what's going on with um our our twitch streaming um you can always always check those guys out at um online uh if you're following us on facebook you should have gotten the announcement on where we're streaming from on twitch and um speaking of all the big overworld kind of things that are going on one thing that's happening right now with the Mandalorian is that we're bringing up a lot of history of Mandalore. So what we're going to do in the next, uh, for the rest of this show, basically, is we're going to go over a little history of, of Mandalore and that whole reason that the Mandalorian is a thing, you know, as opposed to that Boba Fett guy. Um, we'll get into a bit of that, a little bit of history so you know why people are flipping out online. And then we're going to get into our response recap of episode season two episode three and we'll go through the bits of that and we'll let you know when the spoilers are coming so don't worry about that and with that let's see why are mandalorians important we're gonna have a good little discussion here on that uh andy can you take us up sure so uh the the idea here is that we're gonna forego the news this week and just to dig in deep on the history of the Mandalorians, because there's actually been quite a bit written about the Mandalorians. Uh, but if you've only watched the movies and television, you might not have uh, seen a lot of that. Um, so we're going to d- dive into some of the established story that has been uh, established in some of the games, uh, some of the Clone Wars episodes, as well as Rebels. So if you haven't watched any of that, uh, there will be some minor spo- spoilers, but you know, really just to kind of get you caught up of what are the seeds that we're seeing in the Mandalorian show now? Uh, and we will also provide for you a, a, a watch list that was assembled for us by Jason Bieber, our good friend of the cast, uh, who uh, basically distilled it down to what are the most important episodes. So you can watch it yourself if you want to catch up uh, in, the, in the, the, the week ahead before we get to episode four. So he wants us to fight about whether or not Boba's a Mandalorian, by the way. <laughs> saying fight, fight, fight. <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> um, so the Mandalorian. So the Mandalorians are uh, a a group of humanoid people who uh, basically started off on a planet and they 
are a very warlike race. I mean, some people say that if you were to compare Star Trek and Star Wars, they are like the Klingons of the Star Wars universe. The interesting thing about them is that they are not actually a race of alien or beast. There are a lot of human Mandalorians, but it's really more a philosophy and an idea of this warlike culture and greatest warriors. It's very, very, uh, the strongest will survive. Um, uh, the weakest will weed themselves out. It's a very, very um, uh, uh, evolutionist <laughs> uh, 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 philosophy and culture. Um, so that's kind of the base of the culture, right? Uh, the, the, the development of the Mandalorian armor that we all know kind of developed as they came into the crosshairs of the Jedi. Now, does anyone know uh, kind of how the Mandalorian armor developed as a result of the Jedi? Well, with the cloning and the uh, the clone army and using the armor, Boba Fett and Jango Fett's armor is kind of a template. Well, <laughs> this is actually kind of more prehistory. So this is oh, pre-clone wars. Okay, right? pre-clone wars. Sorry, sorry, sorry. That's okay. So, so the, the, the trick is, is that as the Mandalorians became more present in the galaxy, uh, they just became a dominant force and became, started conquering world after world after world. And the Jedi had to intervene. Suddenly, the Mandalorians are like, you know what? These guys can, you know, push me from like 20 feet away. They can control mines. They have these lightsabers and they can deflect blaster fire. We got to come up with stuff. So, you know, the idea of the Beskar armor, the Beskar deflects blaster, blaster fire, much like the lightsabers can deflect blaster fire. Uh, Jedi can use the force to pull things closer to them or repel things. And so they developed uh, flamethrowers to repel and, uh, you know, grappling uh, uh, hooks to to do uh, approximate force pull. They had uh, integrated jetpacks jet to uh, to kind of approximate force jump. And suddenly you have a non-force powered group army that can stand toe to toe with Jedi and they became a huge presence throughout the galaxy. Basically intergalactic Spartans with armor specifically designed for fighting the top warriors of the time. <laughs> now, <laughs> do you guys are native and a native or to Mandalore? That is correct. Um, but not all Mandalorians are from like like uh, Boba and Jango. Aren't they from um, is it Crim Crimson Concord? Concordon, I think. Concordon. I'm, 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 I'm mixing the planet with the uh, underworld organization, criminal right. organization. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so that is, that is one of the worlds that was conquered by the Mandalorians in the prehistory time. Now, uh, does anyone who know who Pre Vizsla is? Oh, Pre Vizsla. Yes. Well, uh, Please take it well, away. he's an he's an ancestor of Tarvisla, who was the Mandalore Mandalorian who was actually accepted into the Jedi Order and who created the dark saber. Right. So right? Tarvisla is is was the first Mandalorian who to become a Jedi, right? Uh, and uh, he created uh, the dark saber, as you as you mentioned, uh, and he was the first Mandalore. Mandalore to unite the Mandalorian people because there was a lot of warring factions. Uh, uh, and so he was kind of one of the first people to bring peace to the Mandalorian people. Uh, and this is a thousand years before. Right. Sorry, this what? is like. A thousand years before the Battle of Yavin, right? Right. Like, I don't know the exact time. 
Um, Lexi, you, were, were you going to say? Uh, wasn't he ultimately responsible for the Death Watch? Uh, so, so pre Vizsla was. Uh, so his 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 ancestor was uh, Tar Vizsla, uh, you know, basically united the, the Mandalorian people. But um, after he died, what happened was other Mandalorians snuck into the Jedi Temple and stole the dark saber in order to unite the Mandalorian people and basically use it use the dark saber to lead the Mandalorian people into wars back against the Jedi and again across the galaxy. Uh, Stuff. So a quick note, a quick note with the with the dark saber, um, and you can catch more of this on on Rebels, but we'll get to that also. If you um, if you if you saw the ending of uh, Mandalorian season one, and you were wondering why people were flipping out when the dark saber pierced through the Tie Fighter, there, that's why they were flipping out because that mere mere um, announcement or mere showcase of that sword, uh, the dark saber just totally reframed everything that the Mandalorian was going through, that this guy's looking for the child and he's got the dark saber and he's connected all this back history. So that's leading us into this next season also. And um, just want to make sure that we understand the importance of that saber. Well, cause that's also how the, what led to a lot of Mandalorian civil wars uh, because once that became the MacGuffin that would unite the Mandalorian people, various people would, there was like, that's like game of Thrones, star Wars right there is people fighting over the dark saber and caught in the middle of that civil war was uh, a young Satin crease who was uh, under the protection of a very young Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, you guys know that 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 bit. Yeah, poor Obi. <laughs> <laughs> so well, Obi Wan, Duchess, right of Mandalore. So yeah, so she was she was uh, she was destined to be the Duchess of Mandalore. At that time, she was very young and learning all of the the horrors of war and what war was doing to basically destroy their planet. And uh, Obi Wan, a young Jedi, along with Qui Gon, were sent to protect her because she, her she would be the next ruler of of Mandalore, and uh, was taking a pacifist route. So uh, so there is there is a uh, uh, you know. I don't think they've gotten deep into that story, but uh, uh, yes, there was a there's a torrid affair, shall we say? Which is ironic because her sister joined up with the really military, right? Yes. Which uh, he formed the. How deep are we going right now? <laughs> I think, I think he talk, formed the Death Watch. So, so, so explain. Right? To he formed. So explain to us what Death Watch is. Well, so so the Death Watch and 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 Lexi, correct me if I'm wrong, because the the animated series are definitely more your strong point. But the Death Watch was uh, a group of of Mandalorians who who didn't appreciate the more pacifist direction that uh, the Duchess was taking, and they. They actually, they were, okay, so at some point, the Mandalorians were exiled to a moon, right? And he was kind of ruling this sect from that moon. And that's where we get, um, like, Din Djarin and that, the whole, oh, see, am, am I spoiling things? I don't know if I'm spoiling no, things. I think you're, you, you jumped you jumped a little ahead. So I did. I did jump ahead. So, so pre-Vizsla is the, the 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 one who created death watch so he is an, a descendant 
of Tarvisla. Yeah. He gets his hand on the dark saber and says, "With this, I'm going to retake Mandalore. I'm going to kick out these wimpy, stupid, you know." Say, say again. Using the dark saber is kind of an Excalibur type of thing to pull support away from Satine as a pacifist and give himself legitimacy. Uh, and then, if I remember correctly, did not did they not end up joining up with Maul with Darth Maul? Uh, well, so a couple of things happen. So he gets the dark the dark saber and uh, duels with Obi Wan Kenobi, and when Obi Wan Kenobi. Uh, uh, defeats him, that's when they actually get exiled off of Mandalore. Uh, so uh, uh, after that exile, basically uh, Pre Vizsla, by the way, actually, who was voiced by John Favreau, and so really like this whole story arc in Clone Wars is probably kind of like the origin point for this Mandalorian series as, you know, Dave Filoni and, and uh, John Favreau were talking through all of this. So What's an um what's an interesting point about the the timing of all this? Um, while you, if you're just listening to the lore and you haven't um, done this deep dive into it, what's interesting about the timing is this is around the time when um, you know the empire is making its moves to uh, get rid of the republic, basically. So, in all these um, different factions and people, you know, fighting over this and fighting over that, we see a microcosm of this whole. Um, battle going on with uh you know kenobi basically kind of representing the jedi and the pacifist side and then you know the guys who don't want the passive pacifism the what became uh, known as the dark watch um death watch i'm sorry uh you know getting on the other side exiled to a moon you start to have good and bad guys coming into play then the empire um runs in there and starts to just uh I don't want to say take over, but, you know, <laughs> infiltrate. That's the word I was looking for, infiltrate. They started to infiltrate basically what was going on there. Beskar became very important to the Empire. They wanted a lot of it, uh, you know, the metals, and they wanted to strip the the planet of all its uh, resources. So that's how they ended up getting in, involved in it. So this so, is all tying into where we are with the Mandalorian. So, well, uh, so that yeah, so that gets us to Bo-Katan, Bo right? Uh, Bo-Katan was recruited by Pre Vizsla, uh, became one of his members, and then uh, in his effort to take over uh, Mandalore, he was betrayed and killed by an outside out, outside party. Uh, and ultimately, that led Bo-Katan to have to uh, basically splinter Death Watch out. So Bo-Katan who is the sister... God, this is so messy. Bo-Katan <laughs> is the sister of Satine, uh, Duchess okay. Satine. So this outside party, who we will leave unmentioned for now, just for spoiler effect, uh, basically not only betrayed Pre Vizsla, but also killed Duchess Satine. And uh, upon seeing her, her sister killed and seeing kind of the the evil ways of war uh and death watch uh bo-katan took her splinter group and formed a group called the night owls and they Which went i feel like is loosely based on the night witches uh you want to explain the night witches so the night owls is an all-female group of 
Mandalorians, right? Correct. And the Night Witches were a, a, a group of female pilots, Soviet p female pilots during World War II, who the Germans nicknamed the Night Witches because they were so stealthy. So anyway. So so yeah, so the night so the night owls actually become really important in season seven. If you did watch the final season of Clone Wars, which released at the beginning of this year, we saw Ahsoka Tano having a great battle on Mandalore. That's what this this battle was about. Was Bo Katan try uh, the character played by uh, voiced by Katie Sackoff trying to avenge her sister's death and retake her home world uh, with the help of Ahsoka Tano, and. Uh, so that takes us through everything in that happened in the Clone Wars. Uh, and we do end up seeing Sati uh, 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 Bo-Katan again during uh, the Rebels series as well. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead, Tracy. Uh, does anybody else find it really amusing that Obi-Wan is played by Ewan McGregor and... <laughs> both of both of the Satines that he's fallen in love with, both in Moulin Rouge and in Star Wars, have died. Oh, you know that's intentional. <laughs> yeah, totally. So what, like, oh, let's see. What should we what should we call her? <laughs> so what's interesting here um, is uh, you're you're seeing all these connections from the the prequels, and uh, you know some remnants of that in the other. Uh, stories that were chronologically past the prequels. Um, and we have, a, we have a comment from Ring Capacity here. I want to jump in and say, I love this show. I love how this show completely holds up for someone like me who knows nothing of the backstory. This is some damn fine writing when it works for the initiated as well as those with encyclopedic knowledge. And he also uh, asked another question. All this is from the cartoons? Question mark. Um, most of what we were saying can be kind of summed up in, in what we were watching in uh, Clone Wars and Rebels, which are both on Disney Plus. You can um, we're going to have a, a, a re catch up list that you can kind of catch the essential episodes you need to see. So we're going to put that out. Um, watch the Facebook page or something for that. Um, one, but yeah, one, before we move on, ahead. so the one last important thing. So we didn't really get to Rebels yet, but. One important thing about Bo-Katan during Rebels. Lexi, do you want to kind of jump into that? Um, not sure I got enough on which, which part you're referring to. Uh, where, where we last see Bo-Katan. Oh, in Rebels specifically? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, we, we just kind of... Sorry, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think about what, <laughs> what I can say that we didn't, that we didn't already. She is in possession of. Oh, oh, sorry. I thought I thought we'd already. Yeah, it, it, it basically in in Rebels, there's a two-parter called. I think it's in the last season, and it's it's a two-parter called Heroes of Mandalore, and it does involve Sabine, who another badass girl favorite, and she's an artist. God love her. <laughs> oh, uh, one of my favorite little Easter eggs about that episode is when she one of the episodes she finally frees her dad, and they start having a debate about the art that she's put on her armor. Mm. They start having like they they even like go into a little like lore uh, thing where they start talking about uh, art history on Mandalore, um, yeah. which is side note. But yeah, yeah it, it ends up with with Satine trying to give the dark saber to Bo-Katan twice. She tries to give it to her the first time, and the first time Bo-Katan's like, "I don't deserve this." She doesn't feel like yeah. she has, uh, you know. Um, done right by her sister 
Yeah. She, doesn't, she doesn't think she's putting her legacy in the right direction. She doesn't think she deserves it yet. And then at the very end, we do see her with the Darksaber. And so that's the most important thing is that the last time we saw the Darksaber, it was in the hands of Bo-Katan to reunite her people, the Mandalorians, to free Mandalore from Imperial Imperial rule. And that's the last we heard of them. I and mean, that's basically in Rebels, as I think takes you is it like it's about five years no it's like right before um the original star wars episode four right mm-hmm. yeah yeah sounds about right um go ahead tracy jump in jump in quickly <laughs> <laughs> okay so before we move on because i think this is paul he's saying that he's so lost right now so if we could do like a really quick sum- if we yeah. could just like a really like super quick 30 second summary we've got um we've got a guy who 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 is the first mandalorian to become a jedi he creates the black the dark saber Tarvisla. There's tons of civil wars, but the dark. But he's able to unite all of Mandalore with the dark saber. He's a this Jedi. Is a thousand, or, right. But so then he. The, the, this is a thousand years ago, and yeah. then um, and then his ancestor uh, Previsla splits, splits apart from most of Mandalore and is banished to a moon called Concordia. And then so the Duchess rules most of the Mandalorians, and then Pacif- this guy creates. Pacifist. Yes, she's a pacifist, and then um, and then Previsla, he is uh, he creates a group called the the Death Watch, and that's where uh, that's they don't want to be pacifists, and that's where we get Dinjarin. They're the ones who rescued Dinjarin. Uh, no, 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 but, uh, uh, but no, that's later. But uh, uh, Bo-Katan. Well, yeah, Bo-Katan. I'm just giving the thirty second thing because he okay, says he's it. lost. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, and and then the sister, the, the so the Duchess Satine, who's ruling most of the Mandalorians, her sister is Bo-Katan, who shows up in this episode. So we were just trying to give a little bit of historical <laughs> context before we deep dive into this episode. And her sister being the Duchess, that's why this episode is called the Heiress, right? Because she's the heir to her sister's throne. Does that make sense, Paul? <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, <laughs> the Mandalorian Civil War, Bo-Katan switched. <laughs> yes, Bo-Katan switched sides. She went from the Death Watch to um, to forming her own group called the Night Owls. Basically, she's just been all about Mandalorian independence and preservation of tradition. And the reason she was opposed to her sister is because she saw her sister as betraying their culture. And then she realized oh, it was good her sister's best attempt at keeping them all together and not destroying the planet realized what you know who she'd gotten politically in bed with and is trying to right those wrongs and that's where we see her starting to starting to try that in the newest episode of mandalorian and then ultimately hopefully succeeding in like i said we will leave you a list a watch list where you can follow the story in a way better told than we did I think this is Josh ring capacity. He's like impressive summary with perfect backup. Thank you, Andy <laughs> and Lexi. And he's like, it's not complicated at all. Yeah. <laughs> it's just um, yeah. There, there was a bunch of civil war. Uh, a sword showed up, and uh, you know, <laughs> they stopped fighting. Then they lost the sword, and everybody's lost and scattered across the universe. Now we're seeing people who were important to the civil war showing back up in the show. All right. So now speaking of the show. The show. Um, you know, um, the, the internet was lighting up over uh, Bo-Katan. Um, and I got to ask, are, are we, is it Bo-Katan or Bo-Katan? I've heard people say both things. I always say Katan. I say I don't Katan. Know if I'm right. Katan? Tomato, tomato. Yeah. I say Katan. 
Um, oh, either Jason's way, saying a hard A. Catan, hard a. right? Catan. Catan. I, I was saying 10. So, yeah, if we go, if we, uh, you know, it, it sounds like something to me that, you know, when you're getting your friends together and you're deciding what to eat, it's like, should we go uh, for hot pot, shabu shabu, um, sushi? <laughs> No one can decide. And then someone says, how about Bo-Katan? It's like, yeah, Bo-Katan sounds great. <laughs> and Bo-Katan is great. So that's why the internet was kind of like excited about this person that everybody's wondering about. And that leads us to our discussion, recap, and response on episode three of season two of The Mandalorian, The Harris. All right. And Tracy, so, this is where you're picking up here. Well, uh, okay, so we would do our... Synopsis first? Sure. Okay. All right, so quick synopsis. The Heiress, Chapter 11. This week continues the story thread from last week's episode. The Mando, the child, and frog lady, and her precious eggs are limping along in a very beat-up razor crest, having just barely survived a crash landing on Maldo Crease and an attack from a hive of Christmas spiders. Mando barely crash lands uh, the Razor Crest onto the estuary moon of Trask at a port run by some Mon Calamari and Quarren sailors. Finishing his mission of reuniting the Frog Lady with her husband, Mando is directed to a tavern where other Mandalorians have been seen leading him, uh, have been seen leading him to set sail for adventure, for more discovery and maybe some treachery. Dun dun dun. So I, I gotta say, um, if you can't tell. I think we're all really excited by this episode. Um, I, I had a blast with this. I really want to give a shout out to Bryce Dallas Howard, who did a fantastic job uh, directing this. Um, it's a short episode, but you don't feel it. It really just kind of leaves you wanting more. Um, I, I really can't say enough about how well the action was staged um, in this. Uh, you know, we're, we're really actually kind of seeing... Um, uh, okay, I'm not going to talk about that. I'll wait until until spoilers. But the uh, the action is well staged. Uh, the pacing is really well done. There are some great comedic moments uh, uh, and some incredible puppet acting um, that that uh, I, uh, I was very impressed with. Like you know when there's literally an animatronic head uh, talking to another animatronic head, and you're like, oh, oh, this is this is a lovely love scene between two animatronic heads. <laughs> So that's my quick, uh, quick review. <laughs> All right. So Tracy, you're going to uh, roll us through the, uh, the show. Okay. Is this the official spoiler warning? So if for some strange reason you haven't seen the episode, although I'm pretty sure if you're tuning into this, you probably have, this is where Andy breaks out his Kermit. Can you do a Kermit impression? Oh, <gasps> this is Kermit the frog. <laughs> The, the dude frog did look like Kermit. He does he look totally like Kermit. <laughs> okay, but this is your spoiler warning. You've been warned. Okay? <laughs> uh, speaking of the frog people, did they not... Okay, you know in Willow, when Willow and his wife Kaya are like reuniting and they run towards each other, their hug was exactly like the hug from Willow and his wife. <laughs> I, I I also just like again like you you have to like imagine in pre-production they're having to carefully choreograph this so that the two very expensive like puppet heads don't smash and like destroy themselves so it's like hobble and I can't see where I'm running but like it works <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for agreeing with me Paul Okay so 
first of all, we've got we've we've got the landing, right? Looks good, and then they plunge off the side. That was some good comedic relief. We've got them on calamari, shaking his head, like, oh man, these these non-water people, right? And if you if you listen really really closely, the sound of the engine failing is the same sound that they use for the Millennium Falcon, which little Indiana Jones throwback is the sound of a biplane en- engine failing. So we got it. It's like that full circle thing that John Favreau and Dave Filoni like to do. Did uh, did you guys catch the the audio cue callback as well? Um, as the crest is like hurtling towards the uh, the landing pad, uh, uh, you get the same radar sound from the trench run as as uh, as Mando says, "Almost there, almost there." <laughs> I didn't even catch that one. That's a pretty good one. Brought to you by the daughter of the director of Willow. Oh yeah, Ron Howard and Bryce Dallas Howard. Mm-hmm. Did Ron Howard direct the direct Willow? He did. He did. I forgot about that. I forgot that he was. Wow, Jason. There we go. Which, which <laughs> kind of brings me to one of the reasons that I really love the Mandalorian in, in general. But this episode, uh, one, what this episode specifically, is that they do such an excellent job of using uh really really classic elements of of different adventure genres like they 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 do it in a way that is formulaic without being trite like you know they don't they don't they don't just pick a shot and do like like a, they do some really great spaghetti western with the ratio of sky to land which is very very formulaic western uh, they did uh, uh, a, a lot of different shots this time with like the the seafaring voyage, which if you go into like yeah. those kinds of movies, really really classic. And so, which comes right back into uh, the reunion from Willow, which is like a <laughs> classic thing. Uh, they do such a and good we, job. And we have some more alien, some more alien uh, references in this one too, with the face yes. huggers, right? That that <laughs> that is like my new favorite Baby Yoda moment. I'm just gonna say it's just like the bill the bewilderment on baby Yoda is like oh my gosh so but at the I know I'm jumping ahead but at the end where he's giggling oh it's so cute okay and we've never sorry go ahead I love his little teeth (laughs) you can see his little sharp little frog eating teeth (laughs) okay so we've never seen a mama core before right this is a this is a new alien. I wasn't able to find anything else on it. I think it might might be new. I wonder I if they called it a mamacore because it was going to have a child inside of it. Well, I mean, in theory, we see the baby core later <laughs> <laughs> at the end of the episode. Oh, yeah. Did anybody else? And then, and then, oh, and that comes full circle because he yeah because he yeah. needs. Oh, was that a baby core? At the very, very end? I mean, it looks like the same. It That's looks what like I thought. Same, mouth. same mouth. Yeah. The... Yeah. I kind of figured it was another little squid critter, but I think you're right. I just I, I, I just thought it was, um, I mean, it makes no sense, but it looked. they made it look a lot like a brittle star. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think are really fast moving and carnivorous. Yeah. Uh, but oh. I, I, like, so my brain was just like, you know, sea life nerds. Oh, it's an alien brittle star. No, it probably was a baby core. <laughs> As opposed to mama core. Baby core. Do, do. I think my mind was stuck in brittle. 
Riddle story. <laughs> what does that do, do, dance do, look do, like? Do, do. Baby, I don't know. <laughs> Baby core. <laughs> um, oh, oh, Josh just is just putting this together. Did Yoda hide in a swamp because there were plenty of frogs to eat? Probably. <laughs> Snack bar. <laughs> Makes sense to me. Speaking of eating things, didn't it? Like I oh never okay. Well, never, uh, that's jumping ahead. Okay, we'll get back to that. Okay, so Bo-Katan, she reaches down to to rescue um, Din, kind of like the the Death Watch did when he was a kid, right? Didn't oh. that seem like it was kind of a direct throwback to that? Shot? That's a total. That's a total visual um, throwback to to his flashback of being rescued. So you know he's got this whole connection to the Mandalorians because you know they rescued him and now from the from the droid uh, attack coming through. When um, when the Mandalorian reached down for his hand, now all of a sudden a Mandalor another Mandalorian is reaching out for him. It's like, wow, this is, you know, he's touched by this again. So that whole referential throwback was great. Which which to me kind of solidified and made sense of why he was willing to work with them or agree with, you know, work with them in any capacity after initially finding out that they're not a part of his sect. They're not a part of his, you know, his group uh, and that they have uh, different practices and different beliefs. And you know they they show that at first like he's kind of like shocked and disgusted so he literally just flies off right uh, and and I do think that they did a really good job with that his own flashback of having that emotional anchor to them uh, of of being reminded uh, when she, when when Bo-Katan says to him this is the way and he like pauses a second and says this is the way you know I you kind of tell he's supposed to be thinking back to that where he's like okay like this may be not what i'm familiar with this may make me very uncomfortable but the way is pulling our asses out of the fire when we need it and they've done that can you imagine like like finding out that you grew up in a cult and you didn't know (laughs) (laughs) i mean really that's essentially what it what he's finding out like i didn't grow up in a cult what are you talking about this is you're crazy so, you know, so this is another thing that I really uh, love about this episode is that we're seeing how this fits. This is a running theme in this season, right? As as Din Djarin is once again challenged uh, on what his perception of what it means to be a Mandalorian, right? Uh, we saw it with um, with uh, Cobb Vanth, where, you know, he, as soon as he takes the helmet off, he's like, you're not a Mandalorian, take it off. Uh, and as by the end of the episode, he's like, He's like, you know, fought alongside him. He's ready to sacrifice himself for him. And, you know, we get that sense that he's kind of learning that the man to be a Mandalorian isn't the armor or the mask. It's the person inside it. Right. Well, so you would think it was so it's the creed. Right. And it's kind of a code of honor. But then that is challenged for him as well in this episode, because she does change the terms of the deal. Yeah. So even though he sees her as being maybe other than and but still Mandalorian to some degree, he's looking at her and he's like, you know, so he's decided that he's going to trust her and he goes on this mission with her. And then she changes and she surprises him out of nowhere and says, oh, actually, we're going to do this. We're going to take the ship. And he's like, wait, what? And she's like, I'm changing it. Sorry. And he, that, 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 that kind of scrambles his brain a little bit more. Don't you think? Yeah, um, 
definitely. I mean, it's 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 definitely a, a great character, a continuing character arc for him as he's having to question everything he has known and, and accepted. I just felt like that was such a weird, like, dishonorable thing for a Mandalorian to do, whether they are, you know, like a like a regular one or a cultist one. It just seemed odd to do that to another Mandalorian. It, it seemed odd, but specifically with her character, like I think any other Mandalorian character, I would have been like, what? But specifically Bo-Katan, I'm like, yeah, that tracks. She did what she want. Like that's that's kind of been her whole. She she makes the call she thinks she needs to, even if it's going to be one that is unpopular or difficult for her. I mean, she split off from her own sister, opposed her own sister, so. Uh, uh, pulling a pulling pulling something basically just throwing her weight around on a guy on a Mandalorian she just met yeah I believe she'd do that <laughs> I mean it caught me off I believe it and I mean, brain capacity brings up a good point is that her her first this is the way seemed almost mocking of the creed yeah. whereas the time she said it when they were leaving each other seemed mm-hmm. more genuine mm-hmm. um, I also kind of kind of interesting like talking about um, watching um, a a uh, a creed or or a philosophy evolve, right? Is that we also see our first? Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but we see our first male member of the Night Watch here, right? The Night Owls. Um, or the night. Did he have a symbol on his uh, shoulder? I know the other two did. Um, I can't verify that he actually had the symbol. He had the same the, color, but there was a symbol that was for the Night Owls. I I I thought I saw it. But now that you're calling it out, I want to confirm that. <laughs> well, and he's a brand new character named Axe Wo- Wax Woves. I don't even think they said his name. He barely spoke. So we're, we'll probably find out more about him later or if they do a spinoff. We have actually seen that actor. I don't remember his name, but he was actually a, a, a minor character in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. This was a totally Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, cameo. Yeah. Whole episode because the two pilots the were also pilots. from Agents of Shield, and we had another Deadwood actor in Titus. Uh, oh gosh, what's his name? Oh, wait, hold on, I have it written here. Titus. Sorry, starts with W. Wellover. Well, Wellover. Wellover. Yes, thank you. He was. I I know him from Bosch because that my dad watches. Bosch, <laughs> but he was on um, Lost. He was the Man in Black on on Lost, and he was also in uh, Sons of Anarchy and Deadwood. Yeah. So um, what's uh, for me? Uh, I'm, I'm while I'm watching this, it's always interesting to see that um, you've got the Mandalorian, uh, you've got this the baby Yoda who's trying to get back to, or he's trying to get back to um, whatever his people are, and we're still trying to figure out whether his people means more Yoda or more Jedi. Um, We're not completely sure, but most people are leaning toward Jedi. Anyway, um, I like the, that we're seeing all these different, I want to say possibilities for the Mandalorian to kind of align with, Um, you know, and like Andy, you were saying, he's got to choose his own own path and figure out what, what his identity is. And you've got all these empire guys kind of just, following along and getting closer and closer as they're, you know, chasing down the the dark saber and trying to get rid of these guys. Yes, definitely. Well, and uh, th- speaking of the empire, 
we also have the first time we've seen uh Moff Gideon this this season right uh mm-hmm. and we see him in hologram form uh as he gives the stone cold order non-order order he says long live the empire <laughs> much kill yourself may Cito is just I, I I love the way he plays bad. Yeah, so yeah. good at bad. <laughs> it's I, Andy, I, I, I feel like you're our hologram. By the way, you're like our our show's hologram because I'm kind of glowy. <laughs> <laughs> and you like come in and out of. <laughs> so as far as the as far as the story goes and where we are right now, we're um. These are, this is a short episode, as we said before, we're eight episodes in. I mean, we're, eight, we're going to go through eight episodes, but we're three episodes in. And I'm kind of wondering what the turn is as we're going into this next, next bit. Because with the fourth episode, usually the midpoint, you have kind of a, you know, you've, you've gone up the ramp of the show and halfway through, it's like, oh, now we have a change, a bombshell, a turning point. And you start to do the roller coaster roll down and everything speeds up to a climax. So I'm wondering what they're going to do with all of these different pieces. And I don't know if you guys had any any thoughts on what we're doing, where we're going. Yes. Oh. <laughs> well, we know Dave Filoni's directing the fifth episode, right? So there's a really good chance that... I mean, Ahsoka Tano is his baby. It's a character he created with George Lucas. So my guess is that this next episode is going to be where he meets back up with um, with um, Cara Dune and yeah. Carl Weathers. And Why am I blanking on his name? Grief Grief Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking. And do you guys do you guys ever watch uh, Doctor Who? Am I the only Doctor Who fan here? Watch Doctor Who. Okay, you know how it. you know how like he he gets all these uh, these characters who who kind of make comebacks into into his world like the lizard lady and her maid and you know and all these characters i feel like that's kind of the direction the mandalorian is going is that he's collecting these people throughout the galaxy and at some point he's gonna bring them all together to somehow get the child like save the child or get the child to its final destination i mean the other the other thing too right Andy, hold up a second. Um, you mentioned Ahsoka Tano. Now, we we know who, who that is, but that's another character we might want to just spend a little bit of time uh, kind of talking about just so they know what we're we're dealing with. I I, pa- I paused it when I when I was watching the new episode last night and they dropped her name in there. I paused it and just like shrieked because she's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> just been talking about like oh man i hope they throw her back in and then they did it i was like yes <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, so do you want to give us a like the the quick who is who is ahsoka tano ahsoka tano ahsoka tano is uh which i i know she's she had all of her jedi training but with her her whole status with the Jedi Council, would she technically be considered a Jedi by them, or is she just a... Well, okay, let's, let's, let's well, assume... Even back before that, yeah. I'm getting, I'm who, what yeah. is she? Who is she? Why is she status? important? <laughs> she was Anakin's Padawan. There we go. <laughs> Padawan, getting ahead of myself. Uh, and I, I don't remember right now if she ever uh, was officially considered a Jedi Knight or if they stripped her of that title, but... 
she basically ended up having a long story short to cover a lot a lot of ground uh, d differences with the Jedi Council, how they ran things, um, and kind of ended up having to split off on her own. And they never really followed up with her, had the opportunity to follow up with her in the animated series. And I liked her because she was a really good middle ground between Anakin's doom spiral and the, you know, holier than thou business of the Jedi's. And um, I, I just, yeah, I'm very excited to see what they do with her. And of course, uh, she went on to be very pivotal, of course. I mean, being kind of by the end of the series of Clone Wars, she was the pivotal character, right? The 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 Padawan to Anakin, who uh, managed to not go down a dark path, but but uh, still go her own way, and of course kind became of his moral compass, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that was another interesting thing of how her leaving the Jedi Order kind of affects Anakin, leading to what we see in Revenge of the Sith. But, and she left yes. to help Bo-Katan. Uh, correct. Uh, if you watched uh, season seven, uh, that came out at the beginning of this year. Uh, she's also very pivotal there. Um, and then she shows up in Rebels, as we find out, uh, 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 is very pivotal to those characters um, as well. So, she's yeah, so a lot goes on between um, a little bit during and between episodes uh, Star Wars. I mean, the main major movies. Uh, Attack of the Clones and um, Revenge of the Sith, as uh, Andy mentioned. So in between those, there was a lot of warring going on, a lot of fighting, a lot of things happened. Um, if you remember from the movies, when we start out in, uh, you know, Revenge of the Sith, uh, you see Anakin looking very different um, than he did before. And a lot of the, that, a lot of the things that transpired is why. And Ahsoka Tano was very instrumental to that. So really quick drop her. Go ahead. Go ahead. Finish, finish, finish. I was, just, I was just saying when they dropped her name, you know, as as being, um, you know, involved in the storyline with Bo-Katan directly, that was another uh, breadcrumb out to the people that, hey, this is about to ramp up and we're going to get more things coming. Uh, just answering Ring Capacity's question, how long after the original trilogy is this set? I believe they're saying this is about five years after. I keep after, saying nine uh, years. Nine years? Yeah, I keep saying like nine years. Yeah. Oh, Rodney steps in. We'll it, have it, to. We'll have it, to. It might be up. nine years after Battle of Yavin, perhaps. Oh, you're right. But, uh, but yes, as I understand, five years. So in the timeline, that this would be around the same time that uh, Luke is starting to build his Jedi Academy. Um, but uh, I don't think we're going to see Luke in this. I, I think. Uh, and I don't want to see Luke, right? I mean, I I, I kind of want to see where this 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 it's a big galaxy. There's a there's a lot of galaxy to go around. <laughs> I want no, to see him just like in a shroud or a hollow Luke, <laughs> just for like a hot yeah. second, right? just to like throw it there. <laughs> yeah, just some kind of hollow message from him or something like that, where you like, oh hey Mark Hamill, what up? Like, I mean, it's true. We don't we don't have any uh confirmation of whether or not ahsoka and luke ever met either uh so that is still out there for them to decide if they want to address in a book in a novel in a comic book you know down the line 
at this point, it, Luke is Luke. Luke has his powers. He's a full Jedi at this point. Yeah. And in theory, because Ahsoka Tano is no longer technically a Jedi, in theory, he would be the most powerful Jedi and the most influential Jedi in the galaxy. So it makes sense that at some point they would seek him out. Luke's always hiding, man. <laughs> well, He's not also, yet, though. <laughs> but also, but also, depending on what Ahsoka sees as her role in the galaxy right now, right? I mean, she has, she has a very. There's a very uh, important arc, an interesting arc that kind of gets into the mythology of the Force in Clone Wars called the the Mortis arc. That's definitely another deep dive worth worth getting into. And it gets into really esoteric mythology stuff. But um Ahsoka I think is now very linked to the Mortis uh gods of the Force and uh she might feel that she is not to directly intervene in things now because of her experiences that's my take on it but i don't know i mean we'll see we'll see what happens so okay jumping gears a little bit um i have to ask uh this kind of been bubbling around the internet a little bit what are we to think of this carnivorous baby yoda that's disturbing (laughs) some people and it's making other people chuckle um i don't know your guys take on it i personally think he's he's a little disturbing but i'm (laughs) I'm digging it because I'm a disturbed guy, and I don't know. I, I kind of think it's funny, but cover his little sorry. ears. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I mean, have, oh, have any of you heard this? You know what I'm talking about? I have not heard anything about him being disturbing, but Rin Capacity says it's adorably disturbing. I would say it's adorably disturbing. I like that. I mean, I, go ahead. I yeah because. I agree with the adorably disturbing thing because the thing about babies, toddlers, is that like they don't they don't care about social norms yet. Like they don't oh. they don't they just see what they want and something. You know what I mean? Like he's like any other toddler. He sees what he wants and he's like mouth. Yes. Except like a carnivorous alien toddler. So sometimes that's going to be like spawn. Now, now to be fair, yes, they they're like the last of their line and and whatnot. But to be fair. We we know those eggs were not fertilized yet, so <laughs> yeah. So they were just little little frog placentas, uh, you know. I'm just really bummed <laughs> that my theory from last week about him saving the eggs was wrong. I'm really <laughs> sad that my theory. <laughs> yeah, I'll, there was. I was okay. I'll, th- so he we we didn't see him eat any uh, man. Uh, <laughs> I'm boy. trying to think of a clean way to say this. Uh any, any man affected eggs, which would uh <laughs> which 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 is the internets are weird. I was in the comments um all over the internet wondering what people were thinking of the show and that came up actually multiple times. So um I, I the reason I thought it was a little disturbing is only because like yeah, he went on this whole mission to uh you know save this you know, save this lady and, you know, her whole family line. And then they just kind of played it off as funny, you know, like, hey, you know, don't eat that or put that down. And, well, it doesn't really matter. Uh, I've gotten as far as I need to. I'm going to let you stay with these people and, um, you know, just behave yourself. 
Or she I mean, was on to Baby Yoda by that point. Was she? <laughs> oh, yeah. She was watching. She was like, she was. Oh, she... Supervised him after that. <laughs> um, you see her clutching that egg, the, the lava lamp of eggs? Yes. Yes. Um, I mean, the other thing too, right? Like that was kind of a, there was a definite theme of parenting of parenting in that episode, right? I mean, we're seeing kind of the, the contrast of frog lady who's very vested in her, in her, in her children and her offspring versus the Mando who's like single father, single father Insta family and like really doesn't know what he's doing. He's bringing his child into like bar fights and like, you know, like, you know, I mean, Baby Yoda doesn't have a lot of really good examples of right and wrong happening yet. So. Which is actually, I think, kind of reflected in him eating the eggs. Mm-hmm. He's all he's seen is moral ambiguity. His, like, whole, what, 50 years of existence, 50 years. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, he did, he did do the force choke, and, you know, everybody was like, whoa, I didn't expect that. So it's interesting to me. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to more of that. I, I do too because I think that there's this impulse because we've only ever seen Yoda and Yaddle to to see who are very very old to see that species as inherently good and kind and I think that's something that that fans are putting on the species itself where we have this expectation oh he's a force user he's a baby he's the same same species as Yoda and Yaddle of course he's going to be a little sweetheart of course he's you know and and Yaddle if you it's a blink if you missed it kind of thing uh Yaddle was in what was it Phantom Menace up um where they were talking with Anakin the Senate yeah the not the Senate the Jedi Council right yeah Jedi Council the Jedi Council was sitting around um you know talking about Anakin and another Yoda species character was sitting down uh a young female not young a, a female uh Yoda species. Her name was Yaddle, so that's who she's talking about. Yeah, Which is that was about incorrect. fifty years ago. <laughs> oh gosh! Whoa. But that's why it's not incorrect to say baby Yoda is because we only know it as Yoda species, and he is a baby Yoda species, right? Mm. Or he could be a baby Yaddle species. I'm just Sometimes saying. Like, no, <laughs> they call it Yoda species. Okay, they do. In my head, I call it I call it Yiddle because it's Yoda Yaddle. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> and he's little. As 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 Aww. we work our way through the vowels, right? Baby little. <laughs> but he's also he's not only treated like a child, but he is in a way treated like a pet because Din doesn't know really what he is, only that he has some kind of power and in some way, you know, later he learns that he needs to get him to the Jedi. So when he makes a joke about, look, no, I have enough pets. We can't keep one of the tadpoles. I laughed because that also kind of explains the child's behavior a little bit, you know, like he kind of, you know, he's treating him like a child, but also a pet. (laughs) Also, you know, I you know, I also found it interesting in that, like, uh, it seems like uh, Din Djarin is kind of a language savant, right? <laughs> I mean, he Except seems with to frog. Of, well, he seems to kind of understand the frog guy by t- by the end of their their journey, right? I mean, so uh, it's impressive. I, I wonder. I wonder if uh, I wonder if that has something to do with the fact going back touching on the Mandalorian lore, which is that Mandalorians are more of a, a culture and less of a specific mm. genetic race. Uh, that they probably have a lot of languages around, and if you grow up in an area with you have where you ha- where you are hearing a lot of languages or you learn a lot of languages, uh, 
You can pick them up quicker uh, when you're older. Well, just Tatooine has several languages. Poodoo. I guess the other the other thing uh, that people were excited to see that I was excited to see was uh, the calamari and the kanan, these two symbiotic fish water people that um, always seem to end up on planets together. They uh, the the kanan is it kanan kanan? What is it, Andy? The which? Oh, the corin. Corin. Yeah, I'm totally out. Oh, that's somebody else. Um, <laughs> yeah, the uh, the Davy Jones uh, tentacle yeah. face people. Um, <laughs> And we know the Mon Calamari uh, from from Admiral Akbar pretty much. Because, so, of course, it's a trap. <laughs> dude, dude, I was so happy. I was like, wait a minute. You can't tell me we're going to go into this Calamari uh, area and planet and we're not going to have a trap going on. So when they were setting up the pit, I was just like, oh, God, it's a trap. I wonder if they're actually going to say it or they're just going to do it. You know? The deal when he said uh, when he asked him for passage and he said that very ambiguous, you know, if you know how to read a script, it'll cost you. Doesn't say how much money, just says it'll cost you. Almost yeah, every yeah. time when they're saying credits, they, they they go, oh, this many credits, this many, whatever, right? That, that'll cost you. I'm like, it's a trap. <laughs> uh, actually, another callback right there. Uh, we get to see the calamari flan again that he was paid in uh, for his first bounty when in, in episode one of season one. Yeah. I, I, it made that little, I love the little squishy noise their money makes. It's just... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Waterproof muddy, I mean, just makes squishy noises. It's all in the, all in the details. Yeah, I mean, it hurts my little obsessive compulsive heart to think of like slimy money. <laughs> what does the wallet even look like? Like, what do you? I mean, I, I mean, well, Davy Jones would just keep stuff in his tentacles here, right? <laughs> Now, the, the Mon Calamari and the, and the Quarren, they have always kind of been on opposing sides, right? The Quarren always seem to be on the losing side. The Mon Calamari always send, tend to be on the, the right side. But no matter what, they always seem to be fighting each other. And that's a big part of the animated yeah. series. Right? Was, um, was it? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we'll see Kit Fisto again, too. Um, <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> The Kit Fisto species. Um, oh, that was the green poor. eye with the big reddish burgundy eyes and the poor tentacles. Kit Fisto. Yeah, yeah. I want to see more out of him. We did see him in the uh, Jindy Tartakovsky animated right. series. Um, that was the, uh, you know, the Powerpuff Girls um, Samurai Jack animated style series um, that was short lived, but very good. So, anyway, so. Before I think we, we move got, on, okay, go on. Before, well, I was just, before we move on from Mandalorian in, entirely, uh, I just want to like, what do you guys think? Where where do you think we're going? What do you think we're going to see in the next episode? I think it's going to be another kind of uh, transition episode, like a hey, you need to help me, and then I'll help you before he can get to Ahsoka Tano. I do think they're going to tease us. I don't think we're going to get Ahsoka yet as much as I, I would like to. I don't think we're going to quite get that, that payoff yet. Yeah, I'm, I'm expecting they're going to hold off on Ahsoka just yet. Um, this is a, even as short as it is, this is pretty much a slow burn type of storytelling they're doing where they're not, they're technically not doing that much. And, you know, much of the show has been called filler because, you know, there's, 
a lot of stuff that doesn't directly deal with the story as in the grand scheme of things like you know the boba fett thing just kind of whatever um the whole thing with moff gideon i mean he showed up on a teleprompter a little hologram today so that's a little more but yeah they're they're probably going to hold off on ahsoka till maybe the last two or three episodes i i personally i think i'm expecting a big presence from moff gideon next week um for two reasons right one that we just introduced him in a scary hologram where he tells imperials to kill themselves much like uh, we saw darth vader and the 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 emperor do in empire strikes back and uh, also we've seen the tendency where we've basically just almost completely burned through all the trailer footage right so the only footage in the trailers for left are uh the, the footage that we see of uh, the team gotten back together and running from being chased by Imperials on speeder bikes, right? All the other mm-hmm. footage is, is used, which means from episode five to the end, we have no idea where they're going or what they're going to do, which is a but great way to tease that out. Like that. Yeah, yeah. They totally like it like that. Um, they're surprising us. And... They're even throwing curveballs in the trailers. Uh, you know, we all thought that uh, Sasha Banks, um, real name right. Mercedes Bernardo, Bernardo uh, we thought that she was going to be a Jedi because she had the cloak and everything. We're like, oh, man, what's this going to be about? The Jedi are coming in. Psych. No, yeah. she Sabine was- Wren, right? Well, that's, I mean, that's the thing, right? That was the perfect uh, subterfuge, right? Where we, we got so focused on, on Sasha Banks being in this episode, we didn't even think to think about uh, a Bo-Katan showing up in full yeah. force. Did you guys know that she's Snoop Dogg's cousin? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she's awesome. Talk, I mean, yeah, talk, she's, about, uh, talk about badass ladies. <laughs> All right. So um, I think we're, we're definitely still in a good spot. Um, this was a the great little conversation, a great uh, episode. Definitely. It's got us all, got me excited. And I think it definitely got you guys excited too. So one thing while well, we do uh, want to remind everybody, um, definitely keep in contact with us online, uh, Instagram at pod squadron, uh, Twitter at pod squadron, Facebook at pod squadron. Uh, you'll be able to find us. And uh, as I said, we post our, we post our Twitch announcements, letting you know when we're going to show up on Twitch and do the live streaming. So you can catch us every week. And we do have one quick question I want to uh, respond to from Donnie Cornwell. Um, uh, off of our, off of one of our Facebook groups here, he asked, and this would be a real quick little something, personal and trivial question. What's your favorite Star Wars sound effect? So, pew, well, I'll give you a second. Pew pew pew. pew. Uh, Tracy with the pew pew. That's it. <laughs> yeah, pew pew pew. Oh, or lightsaber. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm appreciating the audio aids. Yeah, there was a question of whether pew pew actually came from Star Wars. Did everybody decide to start saying pew pew because of Star Wars or not? I don't know. Okay, so I was raised by a fo- <laughs> <laughs> I was raised by a foley artist, and they're the ones who, in post production, recreate sounds. Right, so like footsteps, animal things, you know, all those things. And my favorite thing in the whole studio, and we're talking thousands upon thousands upon thousands of props that can be used for sound effects, was this thing called like a boomstick. And when you when you 
This moved, is my boomstick. It sounded like, yeah, <laughs> it sounded like a lightsaber. It made that like this weird sound that kind of sounded and this sounded like a lightsaber. And I, I, I don't know if that was an inspiration because those have been around for forever or or, or what. I'll take that. I Lexi, favorite sound. Uh, probably the Tie Fighters, to be honest. Oh yeah, those. Ooh, good one, good one. It's a very good one. The aggressive right. scream of the ship. I think I think I remember hearing that the sound for the Tie Fighters when they were trying to come up with it. It actually was intended for some for something else. They didn't intend to use it for a ship, and then they listened to it and went, "Wait a minute, wait a minute," and ended up using it for a Tie Fighter. Yep, Andy. Uh, okay, this is very specific. So in Return of the Jedi, during the during the speeder bike chase, uh, at some point Luke Skywalker knocks uh, a trooper off of his bike. He he flies off. He hits a tree, and for a hot second, you hear like there's like air escaping out of his his you know uh, uh, you know tight like airlocked uh, uh, uniform. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. Excellent. I jump in really quick because I I, I just did a really quick Google because I, I was trying to remember what it was that they made the TIE fighter sound out of because I remember that being part of the reason why I liked it. They took a screaming elephant <laughs> and combined it with the whoosh of a car on wet pavement. Nice. Nice. So that's how okay, and TIE fighter. And I remember reading that and going, what? And Jason's saying that the pew came from a wrench hitting a high-tension steel guide wire on an antenna tower. Yes, I had heard that too. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> Man, we, I like the fact that we have that uh, archive there. Um, mine is uh, the uh, Jawas Utini. <laughs> Every time I hear Utini, I just freak out. I, I love that noise. Um, <laughs> their little yell sound. Uh, it's, it's great. Cool. Oh, I have one thing. So is Dank Ferric, is that like the new frack or Goramet? <laughs> it appears to be. I mean, we had we had what three three Dank Ferrets in this episode. Yeah. Right? That the I feel like that's the, the Jawa uh cursing. So that's why that reminded me of that. Did Cobb Vanth also say it as well or oh, I think so. I don't remember. Not that yeah. I remember. All right. Well, that is about to wrap us up for this week. Uh, we definitely appreciate everybody tuning in, checking us out. Uh, make sure that you follow along once again. And really quickly, let us know where we can find you all. Andy? Uh, yes, you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and pretty much everything Oz, Chinese Pirate underscore. All right. Tracy? Um, Facebook at Hot Nerd Girl, uh, Twitter, uh, Hot underscore Nerd underscore Girl, and um, uh, Instagram at Hot Nerd Girl Official. All right, Lexi. Um, I'm kind of I'm kind of undercover in this as as with all things. I'm on Instagram as Lexifer M S L E X I F E R, and that has a lot of my random adventures on it. That's and a of course, great you name can... for an Instagram. <laughs> And of course, you can follow the Pod Squadron on all our platforms. Uh, once again, we will release a uh, watch list of everything to cover the Mandalorian. Benja, Benja. I don't know. Andy just took over there for a second, so <laughs> <laughs> I was just inserting. I was inserting. That, that's for the last. You can find me at mrbenja.com. <laughs> now, now go ahead and take us out, Andy. Since you want to go ahead and take us out, Andy. <laughs> mrbenja.com. Andy's taking us out. Go. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's because you always freeze about this time. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. This is the. Um, yeah. So once again, uh, ch- check out all of our social media. We'll go ahead and release uh, a a uh, watch list for you for of essential episodes of Clone Wars and Rebels to catch up on the whole Mandalorian history. And once again, remember. Am I saying it or are you saying it? All right, go go ahead. It's yours, son. <laughs> Did I just feel bad? <laughs> All right. You should. So please check out and subscribe. Uh, check out our content on Pod Squadron, as you heard before, Instagram, uh, Facebook, Twitter, and always look out for us on Twitch. And we do have PodSquadron.com, which is going to be updated a little sooner um, than later. But uh, remember, the truths that we cling to depend on our point of view. Only the Sith deal in absolutes. And that has been our time for this show. We are the Pod Squadron, and we thank you. Be sure to check us out more later. Goodbye. See you next week.